everybody. I'm Marianne Katsidis, and this is the Heart-Led Changemaker podcast. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where it felt so juicy and inspired that it left you feeling energized and ready to take on the world? There have been countless times I wished I could have recorded conversations like that because it felt criminal that no one else got to hear or experience that feeling. Those conversations ignite something inside of you because you visualize a new way to connect with others and sometimes even a new world. This show will provide you with ways to stay focused on the future, some food for thought, new ideas and concepts, a way to create abundance ethically, a showcase of those already doing the work and succeeding, and a sense of connection. Being a change maker can be very lonely, so this will serve as a community for heart-led warriors. Sit back and let this high-vibe, heartfelt conversation light you up. Luke Belk has been practicing astrology for almost a decade and is well-versed in astrological interpretation from a traditional Western perspective. Through his work as an astrologer, Luke helps clients understand the patterns and cycles in their lives and provides guidance on how to navigate them. In addition to astrology, Luke is also trained as a Reiki practitioner and energy healer. He offers past life regression therapy, which can help clients to explore their past lives and understand how they may be impacting their current life. Luke's approach to healing is holistic and grounded in a deep understanding of the mind-body-spirit connection. Hi, Luke. Welcome to Heart-Led Changemakers. Thanks for having me, Marianne. (laughs) So uh, one of the things I've been busting to talk to you about is past life regression. From experience, I know that it's a powerful therapy and it helps you uncover lots of patterns that you may not have been able to understand why they're there. How do you facilitate that with your clients? It is an interesting sort of methodology technique. Um, I first sort of come across that about 2019 and I was already practicing astrology. I was Reiki tuned and um, I was watching a guy online talk about regression therapy in the US and he's a bit left of center like me and it really inspired me and I sort of started looking into it and He'd spoken about how he was trained in the Dolores Cannon technique. So I started looking into that and started looking into it more and more and more. I was really intrigued. And then I found when I was um, going through this, I was living in Melbourne and I found a practitioner down there who does the quantum healing hypnosis technique, which I'm now trained in that. And I went through my own past life regression with her and it was pretty, pretty phenomenal. I had um, two past life experiences during that regression. And the first one I was what I describe as like an Aboriginal person, like, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. And that was a really interesting experience. I, I entered into that regression in a cave and then I explored outside the cave and to my tribe. And that was to teach me that past life experience while I was shown it in that particular moment was to teach me that I, I have in the past obeyed authority because in this particular case, the tribe I was part of had a had an elder and a couple of elders, which were basically like you didn't cross them, you didn't go against them. And even if you thought differently, you had to obey their command. So I have a bit of a problem with authority. Um, I'm a bit of an anti-authority person. I don't mind rules if they make sense, but if they're ridiculous rules and someone's trying to tell me just because they're in a position of authority, I'm a bit like, get fucked. you know so that was an interesting regression and then I went out of that past life experience and into another one where I was being hung in a town square so I look at that maybe you know somewhere middle of between like you know maybe a thousand years ago something like that and I was being hung because I I was on the outskirts of this particular town with my family and I was stealing food for my family and the reason I was stealing food because we went back in the regression and in what had happened was the little community and village I was living in, there was a bushfire that came through and wiped everything out. And when that happened back then, you just you had you, you had to walk away with nothing, clothes on your back. So my little community, village, my family um, were starving, and we were on the outskirts of the town. And I'd I'd hide and sneak into town and take food, and then I got caught doing that, and that was death penalty. Um, hanging in the town square as a you know a warning to other people. So that was about you know, making sacrifice. And also, it was also an experience that I had to go through knowing what it is like when we as a humanity disconnect from humanity. 
In fact, all I was doing was trying to feed some humans, right? And because I didn't have any way to buy food, I didn't have any employment, I didn't have a home or anything, I had to take it. And the, the penalty for that, because it didn't follow the rules and fit in with what we have or they at that period of time had suggested is how we're supposed to function here on earth, then it w- I was killed as a result. And that was interesting because that sort of irks me quite a bit. And I've had many other past life experiences. I had one where it was like 100 lifetimes ago where I was witnessing the cataclysms going on in, in, on the earth and I was given the knowledge of what that looks like and feels like. And that was because humans disconnection. And here I was going through a personal experience being, being killed in a life because I'd taken food. And really, if you think about it, that's a basic fundamental human right is to be able to to survive and to survive we need food and water and shelter yeah Yeah. and we still haven't worked that out and how to do that without it being somehow connected into some economic system which i understand that you know to a degree there's got to be the law of equivalent exchange you know you can't just take without some giving something as well but this whole economic sort of understanding and the way in which we live here is not a quality for all humans it doesn't maintain provide our basic human rights which is you know in order to survive here you need food you need water and you need shelter and you could argue that okay we'll look at nature and nature just has to survive and yeah okay i agree with that to a degree but also i think that we've become human and civilized and we have a a more awareness and consciousness and the ability to communicate and we also congregate and we can come together and we can invent things like you know electric cars and so-called fake spaceships but (laughs) you know, and airplanes and all those types of things, but we can't work that out as a collective. Like there's only one human race here. We're all one human race. So anyway, that was a past life experience to teach me that um, experience. And after I had that experience, I sort of said, right, I, I want to I want to learn this technique. And because I was in this sort of industry, if you like, uh, you know, spiritual support, guidance, that type of thing, it made sense to me. And it was another thing that I can offer within the work that I do, which creates a more holistic approach, which is to help people through their awakening journey back towards their home, which is their heart, which is their self, and then how to integrate that back into their lives. Sometimes people get to certain points along their path and their journey where there's a roadblock, there's a challenge, there's an obstacle they can't get through. And, you know, they can't understand how, why it is there, where it came from. They have no memory. And that's what a regression therapy is really good for because a lot of the time it's not actually, you know, being something that you've been experienced in this life. It's something that your soul has remembered from a past life. And when you come into this physical body, your soul is entombed in this physical body. So even though you consciously might not have memory of the experience, your soul does. And because your soul is living in your body or your your soul and body are united at least, um, then your body can respond as if that reality is real, which is an interesting thing. So, you know, you can unconsciously or subconsciously respond to a particular threat or a challenge in a particular way that's a, that your body is doing because it's thinking that the same experience that happened 200 years ago is happening now. So what a regression therapy offers is the ability to bring awareness around what that is and how, how has that come about. And Often too, just the awareness and going through the experience is enough for a person to have a a bodily reaction and a release. And often after regression therapy, people have like big, deep, cathartic emotional releases. In fact, sometimes it can happen on the regression table. I've had a couple of clients complete breakdown hysterical whilst they're in the regression, in the hypno um, stage of it. And um, it's an interesting thing. It's like, okay, well, whatever they're experiencing, because there are some skeptics to this method, but whatever their experience is profound enough to make their body actually shift and release that energy. People that I regress, they, they go sometimes into past lives. Sometimes they'll go off planet and go into other realms and experiences. I have one particular client that's constantly going into you know, non-human realms of reality and having conversations with beings and all sorts of intelligences. Some people go back to early childhood experiences when you regress them into this life because there's something blocking them from going beyond. Um, usually it's deep trauma. Some people go forward too. Though I've had some people go forward into other lives, the future lives or future of this life. It's an interesting process. My job is to facilitate their journey not to guide it, they're doing it. That's their high self subconscious is guiding them to what they need to experience. 
And my job is like the detective that goes along with them to find out the information and to steer them. If we're in a particular experience that they're experiencing, I want to I want to ask the right questions and I want them to focus on the right things to get the, the information that we want. And then with Dolores's technique, you take them down into their subconscious and, and communicate with their direct intelligence or higher intelligence known as the they or the higher self. Um, and that's towards the end of the regression and you take someone through that process. And that's that's a strange process. Like when a person's on the bed being regressed and they're, I'm talking to them and they're in that state and they're feeding back me information, they're usually sounding like they normally do. And quite often when you regress them into the subconscious intelligence, it, it something happens and it's almost like their personality leaves and all of a sudden it's just now a particular energy and it's quite funny and it talks to itself in the third person and ridicules and judges itself in a way like, yeah, I've told her, we've told, we've told her that many times you know, <laughs> She know, or she knows the answer. She's just not listening. But it's her talking about herself. I'm, I'm pretty sure my subconscious would say that <laughs> actively for sure. Yeah, she knows, it, we know she knows. You know, my brain hurts because I've got so many questions from what you've said. Let's. I um, can tend to know too much, so pull me back if you want to. No, just stop. no, 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 not at all, not at all. I mean, this is why I wanted to talk to you because yeah. there are just so many components of this. So I guess the first part at the beginning, you were talking about your own experience. Looking at the way that the world is now, are you finding that it's it's like a remembering of of something that you've seen before with the way you know our government and and, and, you know, different, you know, we've got lots of people with lots of different agendas trying to push things here and there and everywhere. Yeah. Are you finding that that feels challenging for you because of your experience and what you've seen? Life's been challenging for me since 2014, 15, since my beginning of my awakening. It's getting easier to let go. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. It's getting easier to let go, but it's still, a, it's still a grind. It's still a challenge because I see now and I also have been able to have that experience of past life stuff and and have like the memory of what happens when you disconnect. Yeah. And that's what's happened. That's where we've disconnected. We've disconnected again. Yes. And we've moved out of the heart and into the head and into the mind and into the ego. You know, we're externalizing all of the things that we should be able to find within ourselves. And we're trying to find that validation or acceptance, approval, recognition, the praise, the reward, the, whatever it is from outside of ourselves. Yes. And because of the amount of people that are here that are disconnected, that externalization is drawing resources from the earth at a rate in which she cannot replace them. And I, I, I think climate change is bullshit, but I think mm -hmm. that the harm that we're doing here and the way that we're being disconnected, and not only from Earth, but from one another, I think that's the, the focus. It's not necessarily a government agenda of, you know, climate change and all of the bullshit that they want to propagandize. But um, certainly we have, we're not utilizing the natural resources in a sustainable way and at this level of awareness collectively i don't think the earth can sustain more people i think the earth could sustain heaps more people but not in this level of awareness i think collectively we need to come back into the heart raise our consciousness our frequency if we are to sustain life here and, and survive Yes. Um, because my memory too, I had one lifetime a hundred years ago. It was not a hundred years, a hundred lifetimes ago where the cataclysms were happening. And the reason I was shown that memory was because I chose at that time and the earth chose me to be one of the wisdom keepers of what it happens when you disconnect. And it's what happens is the earth will and the, you know, the cosmos will work together to remove the threat. That's the thing that will happen again here if we're not here. And you look at all of the North American Indian sort of prophecies and things, and they all suggest the same thing. Yes. So, yeah, with regards to the work that I've done and my own personal work and where I see the world at the moment, I'm like, well, you know, COVID was a wake up, but I think COVID was the wake up to the final people that are going to wake up. And that's like, you have to wake up now. And, yeah. and the awakening process, yes, it's a game and it's rigged and it's all these things, but the awakening process is to know that, you know, we're not supposed to live the way we're living and there is a better or a different way and it comes back to the heart. And now what I'm finding for people post-COVID is for those on their awakening journey is that it's really time now to integrate that and to come into integrity with that perception that you've shifted. Like you've got the awareness now, 
you actually can't you know wait for the next thing or it's going to change or you actually have to step back into that in, with integrity and start living in alignment to what your heart says and what you know now you know it's it's no more well, when's the next thing or what's the next conspiracy or where are they fucking us in the next place it's like you know what it's yeah. externalization. It's coming back now to home. So really, really important. But, I mean, it's easy to stay in that cycle of just looking at what, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, and driving yourself insane. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I want to embody that change now. So I want to I want to live as though things have already changed. And it's funny because just taking that small step and actually talking to other like-minded people, I'm paying less and less attention to the shenanigans and the stories that are happening. And even people who used to agree with the same story are saying different things now. And so you don't really know what's real, but what you know is real is you. And you know what's real in your heart space and in what's your integrity and what feels right in your body and in your soul. And that's why a lot of the work that you, or all of the work that you do resonates with me because that's how you're, that's how you're teaching, that's how you're sharing, and that's how you're communicating. And it's brilliant. Thank um, you. You're welcome. With themes, do you find that with the past life regression in particular that there are, are themes with your clients or is it just random? The theme in their past life, so from client to client, they're generally in, in, in astrology work, there's cycles and themes of clients. So I have a run of clients all going through the same shit all, all the time. And then they will shift and now they're going through this thing and now they're going through this thing. And it's one of those things. Often too, I'll be experiencing it in some degree in my life as well, because as within, so without. So sure. that tends to happen. And with the regression work, the theme that is tied into their regression experience is directly linked to where they're at in their life and their subconscious will only show them experiences or lifetimes that are relevant to what they need to do or work through at the moment and that's that's really evident too when you contact their subconscious you know i get my clients before they come in for a regression to write down a list of like 20 30 50 questions that they might have if they were and i tell them if you had access to your higher self and you could ask it that its intelligence knows all sees all everything that's ever done ever happened all of it what questions would you want to know like yes so then people come with the questions then during the regression i'll have their questions see so when we get to the um part with the subconscious I will ask, I reframe it, but I, I have a conversation with their subconscious based on their questions. And quite often, if they've written a question down that they're not ready to hear or they're, they're not at this stage where they that's even irrelevant, the subconscious will just say, they're not ready to hear that. They don't need to know that. Or they will find out in time. Like that, it's very clear. Like it's like you're, you're only going to be shown, you're only going to be given, you're only going to be aware of what you need right now. Another example of that, from a different perspective is I went to India in 2019 and um, I had a Vedic astrology reading, which is they use different zodiac. They, they There's a different approach. It's not to say one's better than the other. They're different perspectives on consciousness and spiritual journeys and stuff. And in their culture, it's not uncommon for them to, during a reading, they'll do your palm, they'll do your chart, and then they'll tell you all about it. They'll quite often, they'll tell you the age you're going to die. And that's a bit confronting for a lot of people because they're like, I don't want to know that. <laughs> and that's one of those things in our culture and in, in especially in the West, a lot of that information people aren't, aren't ready to hear. They don't want to know. And it's the same with the regression. Sometimes there's stuff that it's not it's not useful for you to know that. It's not going to be helpful. Or it could be the opposite. It could be quite harmful for you to be exposed to some things. I find that when I do regress people and they can't get into a past life because they're stuck in an early childhood experience, usually it's because there's some deep trauma and they can't see beyond it. They have to clear that before they're able to access beyond it. So yeah, with people, they come in, the themes that they're going to be shown with their past life experience relate specifically to whatever blockage or challenge they're going through in their life. Another quick example, if I can, I had one client who was in a relationship with a man and she'd been in this relationship for about a year, but something didn't sit right with her. And she came for an astrology reading to begin with. And in the astrology reading, we established that for 50% of the relationship, he actually wasn't there. He was only telling her where he was. And it didn't really cross her mind to think that maybe like, is that accurate or true? And this feeling she was getting was something wasn't right. We were able to highlight the fact that 
well, what is he actually doing when he says he's here or he's doing this or he's doing that? Which she went away and she was like, oh, yeah, that's, mm, I hadn't really, that hadn't been aware of that side of it or the way to look at it. So a couple of weeks later, she came back for a regression. And when we did the regression, she went into this experience where she was shown a house. And as soon as she saw the house in a in a vision, she was shaking on the bed, literally shaking with fear. So we have techniques to sort of help people through those experiences in a regression so they don't really get overwhelmed, but sometimes it's good for them to release the energy that's there as well. Anyway, it turns out that she'd been in a past life, she'd been kept in a house, locked downstairs, never allowed upstairs, wasn't allowed outside unless she was with her partner. He'd abused her, demeaned her physically, mentally, all sorts of abuse. And she pretty much lived in this house her whole life in fear of him and fear of going outside. And she finally got the courage up to leave that, that, that house. And the lesson of that life was to realize don't wait around in a situation where it's not good for you. You can go. Anyway, she left in that life and was killed um, as a result, but she was free of that pattern, you know. Anyway, in this life, that life, we asked, is there anyone from that life that's in this life? And the man was her new boyfriend. And wow. in that life, he had kept her hidden from the world and had kept half of the house where she wasn't allowed to go. There's a house, you're not allowed upstairs. So half the house, you don't get to go in half the house. Here he is in a relationship with her. Half his life for a year of relationship, half the time he wasn't there. He was, well, I'm at my mum's or I'm over here. I'm doing this. I'm doing these things. And she didn't even question it. Yeah, And the reason she hadn't questioned it was because there was a subconscious connection to you don't. You die if you do. Yes. So we cleared a lot for that lady and she went home and ended the relationship. <laughs> yeah. um, and she did so karmically free. In other words, it wasn't her karma that was being resolved. We paid it was his karma to her. But yes. But it was the same pattern. Do you work with clients in group settings when you do past life regressions ever or is it just one-on-one? Just one on one. Yeah. So when I had my, it's interesting because I've had both. When I had my awakening, which started in Melbourne or just before, I was learning to read tarot. I was learning to meditate. I was doing, you know, I was learning about crystals and all the, you know, all the cool things at the beginning there. And then the same lady who was teaching meditation and tarot, she was holding weekend uh, past life regression workshops, a lot to do with love and romance and so forth. And uh, there were groups of 10 women that, you know, we'd spend the sort of weekend with. And on both days, I mean, it was just so surreal. Out of 10 women, four of us saw the exact same thing. They mm. like We were all there together. It was just mind-blowing. And to this day, I'm still friends with those people because you can't know that in your soul. Like there's no way someone can see in your mind that's lying down next to you with their eyes closed and is describing in the nth detail what you have just seen. Like you can't just go, oh, well, lovely to meet you, never going to see you again. Like you just, it, it's like impossible. And it was so surreal. But in one of those, there was a couple of instances, but one of those regressions, I saw that my brother in, well, one of my brothers in this life has been stepfather, father, adopted, you know, parent, all, all these different roles, father-in-law even. And it's it's strange to me because he acts like my dad, more like my dad than my dad does in this life. And for yeah. the longest time, I, I was never really able to understand why the hell he was behaving like that. And for the most part, so much frustration because it was yeah. like, you can't tell me what to do. You're just my brother, my younger brother even. You know, it's like, oh, hell no. But yeah. after that, it started, it helped me become a little bit more compassionate to why he is the way that he is. Um, not that we've ever been able to have that kind of conversation, but it's amusing to me to know that. And then and then being able to pull back and see people that you've been connected to before in this life. There was one that we did where, you know, we were being shown a romantic interest in a past life that we know in this life. And that was sad because, you know, it was a we were very in love in the past life, but in this life, he's married to someone else. Your heart and your soul is sort of in a conflict and your conscious mind knows, you know, obviously that's not logical. You know, you're not meant to be together, but your your soul is still sad in a way because you're like, okay, well, that was a time. 
I'm assuming that your clients, when you uh, uh, talk to them, they're having epiphanies and understanding like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big ahas. That's like astrology and um, the regression stuff. Even in Reiki sessions that I do, people have the download or the aha or the breakthrough. And often that's what it is. It's just like we're stuck with a limited perception. And when we have more information, we can exchange our perception. Yes. What do, we change our perception, we change our reality. So it's the stories we tell ourselves and the meaning we give to those stories that rules and makes our life, right? So if yeah. you're in a difficult situation or if you're not feeling good about yourself or you're depressed about something that happened in the past, you got to look at the way you're looking at it. you got to be able to challenge that narrative, that perspective, that story, that meaning so that you can transmute it and shift beyond it. And there's a narrative out there, absolutely. There's multiple narratives all the time, always operating, especially think about COVID and what was happening with the narrative, right? Yeah. That's how they control people is the story. Yes. It's just fucking, it's just someone's fucking story. Yeah. So when you wake up, you realise, I don't fucking write my own story. Yeah. I was a pest controller for 20 years. I'm fucking now I'm an astrologer and I'm an energy healer and I'm a uh, regressionist and I don't fucking work the nine to five bullshit. And yeah, I talk shit on the internet, but fuck, I don't give a shit. That's my story. I can write it however I want. Yes. The things that I do with the work that I do is to help people with their story. And the beauty about the astrology aspect of it too is that I can see their story and whether if they're living in their life in alignment to it in a positive functional way or if in a negative dysfunctional way. So it's like, all right, I can, when I look at someone's chart and I'm doing a session with them, I, I see the potential. I see the good. I see where they're like, yes, that is you. Go in that direction. Absolutely. And I can also see when it's like, you should work on that. That's probably <laughs> ego work that needs to be done there. Yes. And, you know, and give them other ways to think about things too. Because sometimes people hang on to things, you know, and they can't let go. So I love what I do. But it's about it's about helping people with their perception and opening it up. For sure. Do you feel like... As an astrologer, you've got an energetic advantage because you know what's coming and what's happening? Uh, not really because I don't know what's coming and what's happening, but I can make sense of what is happening. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Astrology is um, it's a difficult tool to use for prediction. In fact, you can't use it on its own for prediction. In a lot of spiritual lineages, they have the golden key and the silver key, which is this astrology and the tarot. And the tarot key, the silver key, is designed to unlock your intuition and your ability to be more, you know, prophetic and psychic and those types of things. And astrology is like, okay, well, this is the information. And then we, we use the intuition to combine those two to, to understand and to test things and if it's real or if it isn't and stuff like that. So just astrology on its own, looking and saying what's going to happen. But you can go, okay, well, this is the weather. And these are the types of experiences that happen during that weather. Yes. I mean, that was a lot like COVID. You know, it's like, oh, Saturn, Pluto. Mm, they only come together every 40 years. Saturn and Pluto. So you've got the god of the underworld and then you've got the god of um, death coming together. And they do so every 40 years. So you go back 40 years, what was happening? Well, they were making a conjunction like they did in 2020. And that was happening in Scorpio, the sign of sex. And we had AIDS right? That was the 80s. Remember early 80s? It was yes. the Grim Reaper was literally on our TV screen. If you're younger than, you know, didn't grow up in the 80s, we had television commercials in between movies with the Grim Reaper telling you're going to die from AIDS, right? And that was Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Scorpio, sign of sex, right? So you weren't allowed to have unprotected sex or homosexual sex or all those types of things. And it was all that whole you know, agenda to try and control through fear, the Grim Reaper, how low you're going to die. And that happened. So leading into, you know, end of 2019, I'm like Saturn and Pluto coming together in Capricorn. Fuck, this is going to be huge, epic. I still have clients that I was reading for at 2019 that left Melbourne at the end of 2019, start of 2020 and moved to Queensland. And they're like, fuck, how did you know? Because I, I didn't know it was going to be a pandemic. I said, some big shit's coming. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to mean that we're going to have to take radical responsibility, like really, you know, death, do or die sort of circumstances. And then if we look at that cycle, they're their conjunctions. They're the new moon phases of those planetary alignments. So if we look to the full moon phase of Saturn and Pluto, when they've come together opposite each other in the sky, <laughs> that was 9-11, literally 9-11. Yeah. And Saturn was in what sign? Saturn was in the sign of the twins, twin towers, right? So 
astrology is a fantastic tool for like understanding shit like there's cycles and then there's themes to these cycles you could say the same about what's going out in the outer world but also when it comes down to knowing about thyself to know thyself and that's the whole game here is like who the fuck am i (laughs) (laughs) where am i I? what am i when am i like what is all of this and as you awaken spiritually you start to answer those questions on a deeper level and start to try and find that and astrology doesn't give you the answers but it's a map to help you find them Um, absolutely that's why i like what i do and that's why it resonates with me it speaks a language to me i get it understand and my job as an astrologer is to interpret the language of the stars in a way for someone to go Oh, okay, I get that. Which is what it does for me as a, you know, as someone in the, you know, in your audience, because I've tried many times to learn astrology to understand it. I mean, I understand my own chart to a degree, not anywhere the way that I'd like to, because I, I, I just, I just can't do it. So it's easier when someone is communicating it out in a way that you can digest it, and and because you position the conversation and how you direct the conversation in those bursts it's so much easier to adapt it in you know it's like no you have this little morsel follow the path here's another little morsel follow the path and and you have you usually post a few times during the day so you can feel a little bit of a momentum and we just oh okay that's the next step now okay that's another thing to be mindful of you know I love that do you think this year is harder than any of the others I think the thing about this year is that the funny thing about when there's crisis going on is that you know there's something happening i think the thing about this year is there's there's feels like there's something should be happening but nothing's really happening things are staying the same it's stuck and stagnant nothing's really changing in the world as re- in regards to what's been going on and the agenda and how it was happened and all of those things so it's a stagnation type energy so that can feel hard as well and it also is about integrating those couple of years as well so we're integrating the shifts that have happened in that time and the the different awareness or perspective we have people have lost jobs they've had family breakdowns, relationship breakdowns. So across the board, it's almost like people are like fatigued from that whole process. And there's a lot of integration work now that needs to be done. That's not, you're not going to see, you know, evidence of that. It's more inner stuff that's happening. So it can feel like a bit of a drag and things are like not going anywhere and it's stuck and stagnant and slow. But this is the transmutation process. And I feel like a lot of the inner work that you do now and into next year is going to really put you in good position for 25 and 26. It's 25 and 26 there's big, big alignments again and big planets shifting out of their signs. So when a planet is in a sign, um, especially the outer planets, which we focus on the most for big types of world events and changes, they're in there from anywhere from you know, two and a half years to seven years up to like 20 years. So they, once they are in, things tend to stabilize a little bit unless they're making a big aspect. Well, in 2025, we're going to have Saturn again, making a conjunction with Neptune this time, but doing it at the zero degrees of Aquarius, right? At the beginning of the zodiac so that's going to be something to interesting unfold over that time and sort of understand if look back at the cycles and what it means and what we could expect but i feel like we could expect something that we've not experienced ever before it's a very significant alignment and it's happening at the same time that pluto is moving out of capricorn and into aquarius the first time in 248 years and it's also coinciding with at the end of that year in 2025 into 2026 uranus is going to move out of taurus and into gemini And as it does, it's going to align with Pluto. So all of the outer planets from Saturn, Neptune, uh, Uranus, and Pluto, the outer planets are known as transformational or generational planets. So when things happen in their alignments and their cycles, they tend to be profound. We experience that as big events, such as the the Saturn and Pluto conjunction, 2020, um, the opposition, 9-11. So you can look at these big outer planets for like, big things, profound things, shifts and changes. It's up to us though, at the end of the day. And when we look at the world and we look at the state and we wake up to the game that's being played on us, it's up to us to disconnect from that. It's up to us to re, you know, align to ourselves and integrate. It's up to us to not continue to do what we've been doing when we were before we were awake, which was to externalize everything. You know, it's now to come back and take responsibility and ownership. And I say it all the time, you've got to be the change you want to see in the world. And the work you do now to, to ground that and keep life simple and focus on only what really matters at the end of the day um, is going to put you in good position over the next you know few years ahead um, because the world is dynamically changing. 
we can talk about that if you want with regards to the the ending of an age and the, you know the beginning of a new one and when and if and how and all of those types of things that are that are very interesting but it den- ten- definitely feels like we're ending a, f- a phase and a way of life and a way of living and um it's coming down whether we'd like it or not yes so we're clung to that ideal of the way things were that the process of transformation can be quite catastrophic for us so and I feel like there's a theme, you know, you've got people that are understanding, you know, what's going on, they've done enough, but there's a point where like a, a, it almost feels like a little bit of a crossroads before you start doing, you know, taking that responsibility. There's a, there's a part of you that wants someone to be the hero. And I was reading about that yesterday. Someone posted that and I was like, my God, that's so true because you want someone just to, you know, to come in. As kids, we grew up on all the fairy tales. You want someone to come in on that horse and resolve all the things. But no one is going to be able to do that on a global scale. Like no one person. All of us are part of that, you know, of that change. And so you must, you know, take that self-responsibility to do that. Otherwise, it is never going to change. And we certainly can't continue on like this. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think on the hero thing, if you make a commitment to be your own hero and save yourself, you watch the effect that has on your reality and those within it. They're going to look up to you as that person in their life. If a lot of us continue to do that, we will start seeing that hero archetype in reality. We'll we'll naturally see it because as within, so without. Yes. But if we're sitting around waiting for it, we're not creating it. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. It's not to say that we, we, we need a hero. We've got to stop relying on outside influences. And this shift of Pluto into Aquarius, which it could be deemed the age within the age, or it could be part of the transition of out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. There's a lot of debate in the astrological uh, communities as to what's really happening and when that's going to happen and if it's already happened or about to happen or next going to, you know, happen. <laughs> um, and, and I like talking about it because it's interesting in relation to the symbolism that we see to sort of get a bit of an idea of what's happening. But let's just call that Pluto moving into Aquarius is an age within an age. Aquarius is equality for all, right? Aquarius isn't the hierarchy of you know, the us and them or the pyramid of like control. Aquarius is like, we all got to come together. We've all got to unify through community. We do that through the heart, you know? So we can't, unless we're rocking our center and our heart, we can't come together because the mind, it will uh, oppose and reject and polarize itself against things all the time because that's what the mind does to work things out. Well, there's only one heart, right? It's only yes. one heartbeat. So when we come into that, we don't we can accept all of the uniqueness, the diversity, and the differences because we're not in trying to work it out and understand it or judge it or you know anything. We're just in, in the heart. And you'll notice that if you've been around people that are in their heart too, they just feel very inclusive and open and compassionate yeah. and you know giving. And as a collective, we have to get there, and that's what nature does. Right? Yes. We disconnected from nature, and this is what it looks like. We've nuclearized the top living lifestyles down into little tiny families in homes and little tiny bunkers that we live in and isolate ourselves. You know, the whole family model is going out the window. Even though we're in communities, we're not connected. We must connect first to our own heart. We must accept ourselves and totally just make peace with the self and love the self, not the, oh, I love myself, aren't I, aren't I nice? <laughs> in the I'm ego. <laughs> no, no, but love is in just like, you know what, I'm fucking worthy and I'm enough and I, I, I don't need to prove it. Yes. I need to prove it. I just feel it. I can be it. If we spend the next 18 months doing that work, Work, then I have hope that we're going to have, you know, some beautiful transitions of humanity on a, on, a, on a worldwide scale. But if we don't learn lessons of what COVID, like look at COVID, right? Imagine if the response to COVID, if it were a real thing or not, is fucking bullshit. Imagine if the response, had it been a real thing, because it was an agenda, if the response was from the heart. I say to people, if the response to COVID was from the heart, they would have cancelled the mortgages, given you six months off your rent, told you don't have to go to work for this period of time. We're going to have parties in the street. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have movies on the beach. We're going to have... No- Free travel. You could, if you haven't seen your long lost relative, you're going to be able to go wherever you want. That frequency that would have obliterated COVID because COVID was a virus of fear. Those that really succumbed to the fear of it were prone to like the whole thing, you know. So it's like I say all the time on my on my online. Earth's an anagram for heart. The word Earth and the word heart are the same fucking letters. Now our job is 
to unjumble those letters and find our way back to them. And we do that by connecting here first. And you can't be one of those martyrs that's out there saving the world and trying to be a hero if you're not fucking loving yourself. Yes. You know, like the whole plane's going to go down. And you got to put whose oxygen mask on first. You got to put your own on. Then you're ready to help others. But if you don't, you die too. So it's like, I, I feel like that where we're at as a collective and a humanity is like, get in your fucking heart or you're dead. <laughs> Whether that's dead literally or dead because they're just going to turn you off. We're at that point. And nature is like, come on, people, come on. Big time. You know? So I think people truly do want to feel that way. When I talk to people awake and not awake, I find that everyone underneath it all truly wants to feel like that. And when you were talking about Aquarius before, I'm I'm aqua rising. So for me, everything is about justice. Everything has to be fair. From when I was a kid, if things weren't fair, you know, imagine having a sibling who was like Bart Simpson. If things weren't fair, it was like, nah, you know, just not on my watch. And, And the integrity is my number one value. So all of that resonates. But I think underneath that people just want to find that peace. They want to find that surrender and they they just are scared to give themselves permission to have it. Because if everyone truly just surrendered and went, no, I'm choosing this peace and I'm choosing a different life for my family, for my kids, let the world burn down all around me. I don't care. If everyone was brave like that, then we would change quickly yep. for the better, definitely. 100%. The challenge with that is that in order to get to that point where you can make those decisions based on those values, you have to make and have that perspective from here. You have to live from here. But when you're up here, it's the, oh, but, oh, and then what if, and oh, I don't think I can, and oh, maybe I'm this, and I'm afraid. When you're in here, none all that disappears. The key is to try to come down into here and you know, how do we how do we do that? How do we help people get into their heart? The best way you can do it is get into your own. Yeah. I think that's the thing, right? And and that means that, and COVID is a good example, means that during COVID in your family, there are people living out of their heart and they're in fear and they're trying to say, you've got to do certain things and this is what is real and it's all these things and you know different. If you come out of your head, then you're going to go into defense mode or attack mode or you don't, or ostracization or just disconnect completely. If you're in your heart, you can say, I understand you're afraid. I get it, you know, and you can be more compassionate and empathetic. And I think that's the key is that you have to lead in your life in the heart because that's what's going to allow people to see and they're going to see it as be the light for others to see. Oh, that's what it looks like. That's what it feels like. So it's, again, another one of those things I think, yes, everyone does want to if, if you got an individually and ask them one-on-one. Absolutely, people will want to, but they don't know how they're quickly taken back into the mind and taken back into all the different trappings of this system that keeps them disconnected from their heart. And, oh, it's just easier now to get this little bit of fulfillment that I've got from my job or from whatever of my life I've built for myself and I'll just stay there and that's how I'll be, you know. But if you show them a way by being that, by shining, um, then all of a sudden they're going to be looking and going, how come you're not afraid? How come you're not stressed out? of working how come you're not what are you do? what are you what, what are you smoking <laughs> some of that and that's really what happens like, how, yeah. how, how are you doing that yeah how, how are you doing that yeah, yeah I, I agree and, yeah. and especially when you've got kids I, I don't have any kids but i've got a niece who you know all, all the decisions i make uh with her in mind you know i want to show her a different way of operating i want to give her you know, all the possibilities against, you know, the, the trauma and things that we experience. There is always a choice to do something different, to grow, to to heal, to um, step deeper into our heart and deeper into ourselves. I continuously challenge her. She's uh, nearly 19. So with everything else, it's tough, but I do try where possible to lead by example. And I think if we all continue to do that, you know, we're going to be better for it. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. We all want the best for our kids whether we have them or their you know relatives or even just kids in general everyone wants the best for the kids and the thing about that is this they'll be fine they'll be fine it's us we need to worry about because the <laughs> kids the kids are modeling themselves of us that's what they're doing they're modeling themselves of us whether we like it or not they're either modeling ourselves because they've got a good example and they want to be like you or they're modeling themselves being the exact opposite because you're a prick and they don't want to be nothing like you but they're modeling so if we want 
our kids to live in a better world, if we want them to have love, if we want them to experience less of what we've had to endure, we have to model it. We have to actually be it. We can't be, oh, I'm doing this for the kids, but then for yourself, you're not doing anything, you know? That's like fill your own cup, right? Fill it up so it's so full and it's overflowing. And when it's overflowing, your cup overfloweth and then you can giveth. And, um, you know, just to tie into that, this year we've got a Venus retrograde coming up. Venus is now in Leo. So Venus is going to be in Leo for 125 days up until October the 9th. And the Venus story, she goes from an evening star through this period. She'll transcend into the underworld, be purified by the sun, and then she'll rise as the morning star. And this cycle of Venus through Leo is about reshaping your self-image in the way you express yourself to yourself and in this world through the lens of the heart. And the question to ask yourself is if you absolutely loved yourself unconditionally, if you loved your life unconditionally, if you loved this world unconditionally, if you loved the people within it unconditionally, you just, how would you look? How would you feel? How would you see yourself? How would you express yourself? And this process of change and transmutation is, is what this uh, alignment or this retrograde phase is going to offer those that want to do that and and that's what it is because everyone benefits when your cup's full and it's full because you're giving to yourself in that way from this place and you feel connected to the heart and the heart is beating in the body like dum, 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 dum. so you're coming into the body and just loving who you are and the way you feel everyone benefits everyone benefits you're going to be in a much calmer state. You're going to be much more able to decide what's good for you and what's not. You're going to align more to your values and you're going to be able to confront those things that you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, those dysfunctional habits and behaviors that need to be transformed or refined. Um, when you're out of the heart, the head will go, oh, I don't know, that's just, just that you can keep it. It has no meaning. It doesn't mean anything. You know? When you're in your heart, you go, yeah, I can do better. Yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, I don't need that. You know, and you can say no and you can choose better. Super important. Absolutely. So as a change maker, heart-led change maker, definitely, what do you enjoy most about that? I enjoy changing, like seeing other people change and grow. When I do something and I see someone have, you know, breakthrough or have a big healing or they, they go on to, because of something that's come up in a session, they go on to make some changes and integrate those changes that's what really you know motivates me client recently i saw her while i was in melbourne she messaged me out of the blue a couple of days ago and just said like everything's changed in that one week since your session so much has changed um so like i'm frightened as shit um <laughs> she's a tourist so you know they don't like to move out of their comfort zone too much no. but um she said i'm frightened as shit but i'm feeling good i'm feeling optimistic and i know it's for the better and that, to me, that's better than being paid for the work that I do. That's like, yeah, could because why? Because she's going to impact all those people in her life. Her sphere of influence is going to benefit from the changes that she's making. And that's it. Like, that's Aquarius. Yeah. You know, it's literally it. It's like, be that change for your community and your group. Lead that way. When I see that, I'm like, I'm not only impacting her in a positive way, I'm impacting those people that she comes in contact with. That's what I like about it is that that has that effect on others. I don't look at like I have magic powers or anything. I just see. I just see different, you know, and I'm able to bring that perspective and that awareness. And with some of the work that I do, even if I can't see, I help them see. When they see, they go, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Sometimes we need to see things more than once, right? <laughs> if it's a good movie, we watch it over and over. Sometimes we need to have a bad experience more than once to, to really see, to really know. That's the way it is sometimes for people to change. I've unfortunately had some of those experiences where you I need that show, you know, a few times over. But as long yeah. as you're committed to yourself, you do get there. And, and yeah, of course, change can be scary, but you owe it to yourself to look within and you're going to find some absolute gold, not just within, but also with the people around you as well. I get to meet and talk to the most amazing human beings and I am grateful for that all the time. And that's why this podcast is like the perfect fit for me because it's just an extension of that. So how can people connect with you, Luke? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm frequently on social media. Mostly I'm on Instagram, occasionally Facebook, often YouTube. So those three platforms are where you can find the content that I put up. If you want to engage in a professional scenario, whether it's through a reading or whether it's a healing or a regression, you can come to my website, which is my name, Luke Belk. 
www.thinkandgrowthcoach.com and you can find out all the information there. I read for people. Some of the work I do is online and I can do that all over the world. The astrology, some of the healings and clearings. Um, the regressions at the moment, I'm only doing face-to-face, but that'll change sometime this year when I'll be able to do remote um, regressions. And I often do workshops as well. I've got one coming up actually next month, which is a foundation astrology course like you spoke about before with regards to how do you approach learning astrology? It's so overwhelming. Well, I have put together a workshop for exactly that purpose because so many people come to me and go, I want to learn. How do I learn? Or there's too much. Or I don't know which way to go. <laughs> and I've developed three sort of key components to approach astrology. And if you start that way and think of it from these perspectives, you tend to, you know, reduce the amount of time it takes you to learn and it makes it much easier because you get, you, you understand it easier, more quicker. So you, you get ways to understand it. And even if you're in a situation, you go, I don't know what that means. It's not about trying to find the meaning of something and finding in a book what it means. It's how do I understand what that means by using the symbols, by using the archetypes and yeah, I put together a workshop so that I can teach people that because um, yeah, I find if I can teach people how to learn, then they go away and learn, right? They go away and teach. And Absolutely. Yeah, it's, another, it's another sort of exponential effect. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I loved our discussion. I could ask you maybe 700 other questions, <laughs> but I won't. You yeah. are an absolute star. I look forward to seeing more of your posts and you know, it's like an external support. I, I feel like we should be paying for your social media messages because they're like little mini therapies. And I, I love that. I'm looking forward to seeing what's to come over the next few months. And that was a really good recap about what's happening uh, with Venus in retrograde until October. I love that. You know, what would we be choosing if we were loving ourselves unconditionally? And I think that's a really good reminder for um, anybody who's listening is what would you choose? How would you feel? Where would you go spend your time? What language would you be using? All of the things, just coming back to that unconditional love. And then, you know, if we're all doing that, then this world will change a little bit faster. Yeah, absolutely. We are the awakening. Like I really feel like that's the thing with regards to the age of Aquarius, just to sort of end on that, is that it's known as the sign of awakening and also the sign of knowledge, right? To know in the age of Pisces, we believe because we don't know and we have to believe when we know we can do better. That is about all of us starting to wake up to that knowing and then we will activate, I believe, we'll activate the age of Aquarius. Um, yes. I don't think it's going to be necessarily because of a particular alignment in the sky. I think that maybe just there's a window of opportunity for that type of transition to take place and when and how and if and all of those, I feel like that we have a lot to play in that. And also we've forgotten how powerful we are to create change, not only in our own lives, but in this world. And I feel like that's a big part of the whole secret that's been kept from us for a very long time is don't let them know who they really are. Don't let oh. them know how powerful they are. Because imagine the world they'll create if they did um, instead of the one we're in now, which, you know, look around. Do you like what you see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so much in that, but exactly right. Coming back to yourself and actually just paying attention to what you're creating for your own reality. 100%. It matters. Yeah. You yeah. matter. Sure. Totally. Thank you so much, Luke. Pleasure. 